Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Thanks to all of you that are joining us live at youtube.com slash cover3. We've been with you at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, live on YouTube uh, for a long time now. And we love it. And so we're going to keep it going uh, today. We're going to tackle questions from the big old bag of mail. A reminder, if you want to submit a question for a future mailbag episode, the best way to do it, to go and leave us a five-star review. And in that review, put your mailbag question. We will add it to the big old bag of mail. If you want to reach out to us, uh, you know, maybe you are a Spotify subscriber. Maybe you're just, you know, YouTube only. And we love that as well. Smash that like button while you're here. Uh, then you can get at us on Twitter um, at Cover3Podcast, or you could follow us on Twitter at Tom Fernelli, at Danny Cannell, at Chip underscore Patterson. So, uh, before we jump into that big old bag of mail, I want to start with the headline that the news that broke on Wednesday night. That uh, Tom, we were on CBS Sports HQ breaking this down with uh, with the great Hakeem Dermish. But Jim Harbaugh, after interviewing for the Minnesota Vikings, uh, called Michigan and said, "You know what, guys, I'm not going to be the next head coach at the Minnesota Vikings." But Danny, there's another side to this. The Minnesota Vikings never even offered Jim Harbaugh the job. Where were you? I mean, were you in the position of imagining that we would be having a who replaces Jim Harbaugh conversation here on Thursday? Because I thought this thing was a done deal. Totally. This has been an absolute roller coaster ride, too. The whole Harbaugh, you know, is he coming? Is he going? Because the Raiders won. You're like, okay, it might make sense. And then that one passed. It looks like that one's closed. It's like, okay, he must not want it until I see him interview. Then I'm going to say he's not going anywhere. Then he sets up an interview on National Signing Day. I thought it was a wrap. Like, it is done. And then I fully believe didn't get the offer. I think he was prepared to take it. I think he was going to go. And now he comes back. And it's like, it's one of those relationships where you've been in where you're dating a girl for a while. And it's like, all right, we come to this place. Like, are we, what are we going to do? Are we going to get married? Or are we going to, you know, see other people? And you know, one side might have their foot out the door and say, well, I want to see other people. And then you go out and see other people for a little while and you realize, oh, I kind of miss the old, like my old faithful. I miss, I miss her a little bit. So you're going to go back to her. Sometimes she takes you back. Sometimes she doesn't. I think that's what you're seeing playing out here. The, the whole Michigan is elated to have him back. I think is interesting because I feel like Michigan fans for the most part are happy he's back, which I'm happy he's back yeah, selfishly. Great. I think he's great for college football and it's great for us. But how do you know, like, it can't be a great feeling knowing he was going to leave if he had the opportunity, love. And I know he says, I'm here forever, but do you believe that either? I think it's like, hey, we'll roll this year, let's go. But every year I think I'd be kind of nervous that this would happen again. 
But he promised. He says it's never going to be happening yeah, again. It's not going to be a regular thing. That's a thing it's that only I, been a regular thing every single season. I, how much do we make of that? You know, is this truly because you bring up the marriage analogy and the relationship part of this? Like, is he coming back and saying, like, all right, Michigan, now we're now we're going to walk down the aisle? Like, okay, okay Michigan, I I, I don't want to go through this again. I mean, I'm totally projecting my own um, read on this on Jim Harbaugh, somebody who is. It, it is impossible for you to project any of your own sets of values and standards on a man who is so unique like Jim Harbaugh. But is there a part of it where if um, I, I saw, you know, Courtney Cronin of ESPN and a few others reported that Jim Harbaugh showed up and the way that he handled himself at the interview is that he did think, as it was reported, that it was going to be a formality and that he would be offered the job. I mean, are you embarrassed? Like, are, are you if you're Jim Harbaugh, are you coming back and being like, oh, all right, well, you know what? I'm just. I, I am going to stay put and whether that means three years, five years, 10 years for the, you know, wh whatever that may be. Do you really think that Jim Harbaugh is going to be locked in from Michigan now? Maybe even with a little bit of a renewed focus after this, uh, in, not incident, but after this interview situation with the Vikings. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I, this could just be a situation where he just had, Maybe he changed his mind. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just the fact that there was no offer, or maybe it was just one of those things where he was like, "All right, I got to find out if I really want to do this, or if Michigan is where I want to be." Because my speculation was, when, like you said, Danny, when when that interview gets scheduled on National Signing Day, that dude's gone. But it's all but one. He only had one prospect left on the board. A top ten class was locked up. If I'm Jim it's Harbaugh, the, I can symbolically though. I know, okay, like. Every other college coach in the country on Wednesday was having a press conference announcing the new signings, announcing the new class, talking about the plans for what we're going to do this spring and blah, blah, blah. And Jim Harbaugh was in Minnesota interviewing for another job. Nine so, hours of an interview reportedly. Yeah, a nine hour interview. So it's just clearly there's still a desire in him to return to the NFL. And my, and my speculation was just looking at college right now with the transfer portal with NIL Harbaugh might've felt like he's already coaching in the NFL or at least a different version of the NFL with which, where the sport is going. So maybe he was saying to himself, well, hell, if I'm going to be coaching professionals anyway, I might as well do it at the NFL level where I know I have success and I know I could, you know, I know plenty of teams are going to want me. So I don't know if that played a part in it or how long he's going to stick at Michigan. But like I said, the only time since he's been at Michigan in which there haven't been NFL rumors floated about Harbaugh was after the 2020 season when he had to take the pay cut to stay at Michigan. Every other year, these rumors have persisted. Now, this is the first time he's ever flown that we know of to do an actual interview for one of the jobs, but I don't think this is going away. I definitely don't think the rumor is going to go away. They're going to come back up next year now, especially since he took an interview. So whether it's coming from his camp or coming from outside of Ann Arbor, next year at this time, you are going to hear rumors about Jim Harbaugh's interest in the NFL. And whether or not they're true, we'll have no idea. Because like I've been saying the last few weeks, there's no way he's going to the NFL. There's no way he's going to the NFL. And then all of a sudden he's scheduling the interview and it's like, oh my God, he's going to the NFL. And then he comes back to Michigan. It and I mean, I think he's safe this year. The Dolphins oh, yeah. still don't have a coach, like, and that that whole mess. What of the, yeah, the Dolphins? What if the Dolphins announced like today, like, oh, we're interviewing Jim Harbaugh? Oh, <laughs> that would be epic. Um, but like, and you know, I talked to Josh Pate this morning, had him on the radio show, and he was saying, is it similar to what happened with Dan Mullen? Now, I think it's 
similar, but we didn't have his official information. Like there was speculation that Mullen wanted to go to the NFL. And we saw what happened this year. I do think it's like coaching college players, especially today, is a lot about trust and buy-in and getting the players to, you know, follow you wherever you want them to go. And this is a team that did quit a year ago. Like, and that was COVID, and there were a lot of reasons they did, but they threw in the towel. Like, I hope Michigan gets off to a good start because if they don't, like, I wonder if those players are like, man, this guy's going to leave us or he wants to lead us. Like, there's a lot of psychological aspect to this. And don't forget either, the fans, which maybe were on the fence or maybe some of them were upset that he was going to leave, they get more vocal. So it does create some PR, like it's a PR mess right now, and it could be a real mess for Harbaugh if he doesn't, you know, I'm not saying he has to win the Big Ten again and go back to the playoff, but if they're less than what their fan base thinks they should be, which is probably 10 wins this year, then you start, then the rumblings come back the other way, and it just becomes this teeter-totter of, you know, this roller coaster ride that that's kind of how we open this conversation. And another aspect of this too, and this is again more just pure speculation on my part, but like Mike McDonald left. Mm-hmm. He went back to Baltimore. And if Jim mentally is checked out and ready to go to the NFL, how much groundwork was he putting into finding a replacement defensive coordinator? And now if he's coming back to Ann Arbor because he didn't get the NFL job, is he kind of behind the curve as far as trying to find a replacement for a pretty important position on his coaching staff? Because we saw the move from Don Brown to Mike McDonald, the impact that that had on the Michigan, on the defense, on the defensive side of the ball and their ability to slow down teams like Ohio State. So that's another concern I have if I'm a Michigan fan right now. Yeah, the development of that side of the ball when you're losing almost everyone. I mean, mm-hmm. not just Dax Hill, Aiden Hutchinson, David Jabo, but you had so many seniors, graduate players, um, a massive turnover. Now, to, to your point, I will say, Danny, I think – that Michigan will start the 2022 season five and two at worst, six and one, perhaps being more likely. They start with Colorado State, Hawaii, Yukon, and Maryland as the first four games, all four of those games in Michigan Stadium. Then they do go to Kinnick Stadium to play Iowa. They go to a Memorial Stadium to play Indiana. Then they host Penn State on October 15th. I think that Iowa and Penn State are the only games reason, even with all the turnover, where I would say potential loss. So it's it's at least a nice start. You know, you do have a turnover. You are going to have a new defensive coordinator. But with some of the gains that the offense has made, he's coming back to a Michigan team that we are going to look at to compete with Ohio State, with Penn State, with Michigan State for a Big Ten East title. So it's a... Uh, it's it's at least setting up for him to have a strong encore to that breakthrough season here in 2021. Agreed. Yeah, I think so too. It should be, but like we've done this, we've done the pencil and in wins before. Like if there's a shocking loss or it gets ugly, I don't. And I I think they'll be fine. I mean, he's I still think he's a good coach. I think he's great for Michigan. I was bummed if he was going to go. I thought they were going to be in a lot more trouble if he left than if he came back with this kind of mess. I think they're in way better shape, but. Better hope they do that. October, October will be the telling month because Michigan State, you know, that's not going to be an easy out. No. Also, also, who knows what kind of coaching dominoes that might have set off? We might have been really Ooh. busy here in a time where you know yeah. we're usually like, all right, signing day's done. We could finally breathe a little bit and relax. We might have had a lot of work coming our way. I do think between Caleb Williams and Jim Harbaugh, it was nice to tie up those last little threads and just say, okay, all right, we've we've, we've at least like got things settled. So then we can you know pivot our attention a little bit to uh, spring practice and who else is is going to be coming back and who else is going to be around. 
I, I do think who would have been a target doesn't make as much sense, but I do think that for Jim Harbaugh, do you believe like it's, it's so impossible for us to pin down his mindset, but I am not assuming anything nefarious in terms of trying to get a new contract in terms of trying to like use this as leverage. I'm, I am of a, the mindset that he really was, um, he was really going through this process with the idea that he could, he would be the Minnesota Vikings head coach. I mean, his, his, his man, you know, I mean, uh, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, he got him on his first job in the NFL was in San Francisco back in 2013. And now he's like the rising star in the front office world. And that's who he's interviewing with. I mean, I, I think that this is probably a very busy week, Tom, to your point that Jim Harbaugh now has to totally refocus uh, what his plans are going to be for the next couple months. It's also possible that he realized instead of losing to Justin Fields once a year, he'd be losing to him twice a year if he took the job. So he's like, I'm just going to go back to Michigan. <laughs> Can I just say as captain of the Kirk Cousins fan club, it had nothing to do with Kirk Cousins being the quarterback. No, <laughs> plus, even if it is Kirk Cousins, like that cap hit, I understand that it's kind of big, but that's only one more year of that cap hit, if I'm correct. So yep. I don't know. Yeah. So wait, what's the Kirk Cousins? Like, they're people just like clowning on Cousins because like he's just a good quarterback instead of an elite quarterback. And we do that with like NFL QBs where like there's the elite class. And then if you're just good, yeah, you're a bomb. Everybody acts like you suck. <laughs> 14th best. So the 14th best quarterback in the NFL is the best slash worst position to be in. Basically. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, other uh, national, we had a, a national signing day reaction show. Bud Elliott was in Fort Lauderdale and, and got to fill us in on a bunch of stuff. Danny, from your perspective, uh, what really stood out from, uh, from national signing day this week? Um, I think I shot a 76 when made a few putts. Um, <laughs> I don't pay attention at all. Now, looking back on the classes like today, like the usual like Texas A&M's big splash, obviously big news, but it's not a shocker. To me, where Kentucky came in, Missouri came in, you know, top 15 classes, where David Shaw got back to with Stanford, those to me are more intriguing storylines than the usual suspects that we always see up there. I think Oklahoma maintaining a strong class with the turnover they saw with Lincoln Riley going uh, are interesting, but I don't, I just, and I, I probably should more because I, I was before like, hey, recruiting classes don't win championships. You know, real players do. It does matter. Like I have come a long way in that aspect. Like you need to be in the top 15 to have a chance and you need to have repetitive, uh, you know, repeated classes of top 15, but I don't know. I've, I've gotten over the the signing day announcements and the. I, it almost makes me like I want to stay away from it because I get annoyed from watching you know the release of the hype video and the the multiple hats and let's bring out a live animal like they're trying to one up each other. So I just I, we stay didn't away have from any it. live. We didn't have any Isaiah Crowell live bulldog yeah. on this right. one, but like there were a couple of throwback hat tosses. Uh, I saw Dave Dave Ayuli Dave Yule, Dave Ayuli had a bunch of uh, like like uh, tropical hats, like one had USC, one had Miami, one had Oregon. He was picking them up. He was right. uh, <laughs> trying, to, trying to throw the fake out. But the it, your point is correct. The the middle of the SEC and even the entire SEC, as Coca yeah. mentioned, all 14 teams in the top 31 of the 24-7 sports composite rankings, Like that suggests that the recruiting apparatus is not just top-heavy. I, I think that is a situation where – You've got your pace setter, and 
it, it is making everyone keep up. And if you want to look at other conferences and ways that you can try to keep up, it that is what you want. Is you don't just want like a singular team out front because if it was just Alabama, then I don't think you would see the Missouri and the Kentucky. But it's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's Texas A and M. You know, when it's only um, it, w- of course, I'm going to go to the ACC. When it's only Clemson. You're just kind of like, oh, okay, but when you have other programs that are also pushing up, trying to keep up with Clemson, that's the way that you can try to uh, improve things all across the board. But I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's it's going to be very interesting to see how those uh those programs start to convert these recruiting wins into uh, on field successes. Tom, anything else from signing day stand out to you? I know we talked about this like. So you no. guys already hit on the Jimbo stuff, the Jimbo rant, and all the coaches. Do you have anything? You guys already had your chance there. I just think I have one word of caution because there's a lot of coaches, not just Jimbo. We saw Nick Saban, other coaches. Well, I've never done that. Just be careful making these emphatic statements because it's just it's going to look bad one day. It's uh, that's all I'm going to say. Don't use emphatic statements like we always did it the right way or we've never paid anybody. I didn't think Jimbo said that. I thought that Jimbo was saying, I know where the bodies are buried oh, yeah. and yeah, it's all legal that. now. Like he he was basically trying to say that there's like some statute of limitations has been lifted and everything <laughs> that they were doing like is now fine. And he said, and if you, if you really want to act high and mighty, he is doing the, you're not better than me. I accept the grime. I'm willing to live in this. And he's doing the like, and, and we're here to stay. NIL is here to stay. Transfer portal is here to stay. He is a, an awesome villain. Um, and like in the, in the world, that, the, the fictional world that we build of all these coaches where he is disrupting the power balance and he is doing it with a lot of arrogance. What happened between now and the first signing day when he was on with, I mean, clearly we know all the stuff that's gone on, but uh-huh. he was on with Feinbaum and he was chuckling. Like he was laughing. He's like, hey, everybody knows this is, this is you know, we didn't have NIL, but everybody knew what was going on. And now that we have it, everybody's on board. And he kind of laughed and he embraced it and then did a full 180. And now it's, you know, guns blazing, like just toward going scorched earth on everybody. I, I get that, you know, there's rumors out there and he wants to make sure, but I just, I don't understand where, like, what was the specific thing that ticked him off? Clearly Saban's comments, he didn't love, but I don't know. I didn't, it, it was a little bit bizarre. It was Lane Kiffin. To me, I think that to, to have a division rival head coach say that we need a salary cap because we luxury tax. Keep, a luxury, luxury we can't tax. keep up with the spending of Texas A&M. And like from a leadership perspective, it is caping up for your staff to me because the staff has worked really, really hard no to doubt. bring this incredible <laughs> group of talent together. And got to remember is, everybody's PayPal address. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's it's demeaning to those efforts when you try to say that it was just like, oh, you, we just flat bought them. But he's he's saying like, no, they worked hard and outbid your assistant coaches. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think I I think part of it too is something I kind of touched on yesterday in the show. I I think that for Jimbo, there is a benefit to downplaying the number just for the pressure because as i said yesterday like what happens if they spend and again this is just this is all rumors if they spend like 25 million on a recruiting class and then they go eight and four that's not going to look well for jimbo 
But so, he can't hide the number one ranking, regardless of what it costs. No, you know, I know, like but it's number just, one it's, class. I, I I talked to some. Co- I, I texted with some people about this last night, and the, the like. I asked him what they, you know, other coaches, what they their reaction to it was, and like, hey, what do you think of what Jimbo was saying? And it was mostly just like rolling their eyes, like whatever. <laughs> right. I just love, and I'm curious to know when the SEC te- mass text goes out from Sankey to everybody, like, hey. This isn't what we do. Like, this isn't what we do. But that unwritten rule of we don't air out our dirty laundry, it's almost like NIL has opened it up where, okay, we can talk about this now. And I think it's great. It's great for us. Oh, it's it's fantastic. In, in terms of being very selfish as people who talk about college football. Bring it on. Jim Harbaugh's back. Jimbo's popping off. I mean, it is. Lane's tweeting pictures every day. Oh. <laughs> It's, Making it's memes. so good. It is yeah. so co- college football is in a great place here in early February. Everyone who's talking about we're losing the sport. You're, you're missing what's really fun about college football um, through and through. Uh, all right. Coming up on the other side, we dive into the big old bag of mail with questions. Eyeing the situation at Arizona state uh, spring practice, as well as uh, the preseason hype of certain teams that could wind up in the top 10 and might not deliver. Next. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Can I just say, I know that (laughs) our listeners didn't all see, if you're listening to this on a podcast form, you didn't see that ad. But that Paramount Plus ad, the placement of Bryson DeChambeau with Beavis and Butthead, just chef's kiss. Thank you for that. (laughs) Great call. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's go. First question here comes from ASU Mark. Hello, gents. ASU football seems screwed for 2022 with the investigation and hopefully Herm getting fired. So should the who should the Sun Devils target as their next head coach in 2023? Should they bring Dion to Tempe? Hire Matt Rule after he gets canned by the Panthers? Jeff Halfley? Urban? Bring back Jay Norvell? There's lots of question marks after all these. It's like an escalating panic here. <laughs> Similar question. If Ray Anderson leaves two, fingers crossed, who should ASU look to for the next AD? I'm hoping for someone who doesn't try to do things out of the box to show how smart they are. As for the AD part, I have no idea. Like I, That's not something I'm very tuned into, like, oh, the athletic administrators. But um, I don't know, because that's the thing. It's hard to say if that happens, which Arizona State, where they would go, because I feel like, the only way Herm is gone is if Ray Anderson's gone. So that'd be a new 
AD making the hire, and I have absolutely no idea what that person will be looking for or what that person's connections are. So it'll be weird because, like, it's not a great look for Arizona State right now and that staff with those coaches resigning and what might be coming in the future. So who knows what condition the program will even be in if it comes to that and how attractive it's going to be to anybody. So I, I have no idea. That's a really difficult question to answer. Don't you guys know the next coach is on the staff, just hired? Brian was Billick. It, I was going to say Billick or Marvin Lewis. <laughs> no, Marvin Lewis has been around. Brian Billick, the new one. Maybe he's making play on it. I have no idea. I'm with you, Tom. It does feel – did uh, did Ray Anderson – he hasn't been there long enough to hire Bobby Hurley, has he? He wasn't there I, that long, was he? I think he did hire Bobby yeah. Hurley, which hasn't worked out great for Arizona State basketball either. I almost feel like and, – and this kind of made me think of his question. Like, has it been a successful tenure for Ray Anderson if there was a time to clean house? It seems to be like it would be now. I hate this because I felt like Herm was one of those mocked hires – and I was rooting again. I was hoping he would have crushed it. And I thought he overexceeded the expectations that thought it were going to be a dumpster fire. And then here we are at a dumpster fire, which may be even worse than I thought was possible. Like I, of all the things, like I do think Herm is a man of integrity. Like I really do. And people could laugh at that now, but I think some of the hires that he made may have been able, you know, the little less integrity there. Uh, and Antonio Pierce is probably one of the worst, you know, most egregious examples of somebody who was just, hey, we got to do what we got to do. And having worked, like I was at ESPN with Antonio Pierce, and we'd, we'd have him on our radio show once a week. And just hearing the way he would talk about other schools and, you know, hey, everybody's doing this and you got to be doing this if you want to be good. I know that was his mindset. And it, and they were trying to push that envelope and it was working because he kind of did. He was kind of right. And I, I don't think Herm knew about it, but it's your watch. You got to, and now where, what is this, five coaches have been fired? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you uh, Antonio Pierce, the offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, the tight ends coach. I mean, it's, it, it might be five. I, I think mean, there were two from last year. Weren't there two like at the beginning of the season that were let go, like right away? Wow. Like, I think there's, and I think it's, but like, how do you, how do you salvage this? I don't know if you do. Like, I think it's going to be their recruiting class was horrific. Dead last in the Pac-12, only nine commitments, uh, number 105 nationally. I mean, maybe you roll it out for one more year and say, good luck, coach. You know, can you – because, you know, is it fair to at, to try to go through a legit hiring process now? You're probably going to make – it's going to be worse off maybe. I, I honestly don't know. You know. I think that Arizona State doesn't have the kind of um, – doesn't have the built-in foundation to be able to withstand an NCAA investigation because we see programs that come under NCAA investigation and they've got the best lawyers. They, you know, they've got all the game plan, like the, the attorneys that they hire used to work for the NCAA and give them all the cheat sheet answers to be able to make sure they can get off as cleanly as possible. And this is, I have not, um, this would maybe an off season topic to dive into, especially if this continues, but my read of this from across the country is that clearly they do not have some of those same resources as some of these other programs for the way that they are able to handle this because this is a drip, drip, drip of bad news and the Sun Devils haven't been able to get anything in terms of good news. Now, in terms of who coaches the Sun Devils in 2023, I don't think that Jay Norvell, who would have one season at Colorado State under his belt if that season is successful, that might be somebody who could come in. He did a very good job at Nevada and you you could 
be able to allow him to stabilize the program and he would be able to be in the Pac-12. I think that when you look around elsewhere, it's it starts to get a little bit slim pickings, especially if there are sanctions. And then that's where you just have to, um, I don't know, promote internally. I, I don't have a really good read unless, or a good candidate on this. Unless, and he suggested it in the question, Matt Rule has had experience. Yeah, he took over Baylor in a similar spot. Yep. And mm-hmm. if you could get him to leave, I think – I think Arizona State's a great job. I think it's like a sneaky great job. I mean, maybe I'm biased because I spent time there, but you should be able to recruit. You should be able to have be competitive. And I know you got to go against USC and UCLA and Oregon, but man, that seems like it could be a really good job if you get it going. I mean, when it's so you- good that the Washington Commanders are stealing your uniforms. <laughs> when, when did you spend time there? Just covering game, you know, being oh, in yeah, Scottsdale, yeah. Phoenix, Tempe area. You know, we played there at the stadium when I was in the NFL. And, you know, like going for Final Fours or championship games, like I just – I'm a Who fan of the – Who loves to play golf? What loves to play golf? Golf is great. I can definitely attest to the golf courses. Academics, you know, I, I'm, I, they're probably pretty good, but, you know. <laughs> but golf is great. <laughs> I haven't taken a class in 20 years. I could probably still get into Arizona State right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Let's – this next question. Uh, Here we go. Great work as always and fun to hear all the off-season chatter and especially the portal slash recruiting updates. Question. Headed into spring practice, what are some of the position battles that you were the most interested in? Do you expect another transfer portal surge post-spring, and how will that affect how teams keep their depth charts? So position battles that you've got your eye on this spring. What stands out? I mean, like, it's always going to be the quarterback ones that are the most interesting, right? So I'm thinking of the Texas quarterback battle. I'm thinking at Clemson. We kind of touched on it during our signing day. Uh, recap yesterday like DJU I'm assuming is going to go into the spring as the starting quarterback but with Klubnik coming in will there be competition from him and others how like does he have that job on lock or is it open there's a lot of things like that that are going to be interesting to watch you know what I think is going to be interesting there were uh there was a list put out like top 10 quarterback transfers and it's you know it's an illustrious list with Caleb Williams moving on you know Spencer Rattler going to South Carolina uh, you know, all the movement that's taking place and, you know, Bo Nix to Oregon. And of the 10 that I saw, I was like, I bet maybe half of them don't win the starting job. Right. You know, like there's, these aren't locks of these guys. Like, and I'm not saying Caleb Williams or Spencer Rattler is one of them. I'm just the list that I saw and they were big names. Like, I don't know if they're going to start for sure, you know? And, and then what do you do then when you've used your, your free pass? Mm-hmm. Like, do you stick it around or I mean, remember last year, who was my guy, Utah, Charlie Brewer, who Charlie was 11 Brewer, yeah. for 11 in the spring, 15 15 15. 15 in the spring game. Yeah. And then he bounced after four games, you know, it was du- like, see ya. Like, I think that's always fascinating. I wonder too, um, you know, I'm thinking about Alabama's wide receiver position. That's, that was you know, what I was going to mention. If, if we, like, we make a big deal about Jermaine Burton and we just think you're going to have the same sort of like Jamison Williams type path. There are a lot of very, very talented wide receivers. Who's going to end up leaving? Like who is going to be in Alabama spring practice that will not be in Alabama on the fall in the Mm -hmm. fall. And I think like wide receiver might be one place where we see that happen um, because Burton's going to create a lot of high expectations. I'm 100% paying attention to that. 
Um, also at Alabama, it's not as sexy or fun, but the offensive line, like you're losing Evan Neal. That's your starting left tackle. That was an offensive line that for most of the season was not magnificent. So it's going to be interesting. Like it's losing the best player on it. Who steps in to fill that role and does that line improve? That's something if I'm like Alabama, honestly, I'm more interested than that than I am wide receivers in the spring. Two more quarterback battles uh, that I would say to keep an eye on. Number one, Georgia. I mean, are we... No, that's that's his job. He just won a national title chip. He's not well, losing it, it or it'll ranking. be a it'll be one that's not covered as a battle, even though I think it is. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Brock, like, Brock Vandergriff should get a chance. But there's yeah. no way Brock Vandergriff is named the starter after spring. Right. I don't think so either. What about Michigan's quarterback battle? That one I think could be interesting because you had a quarterback take that one to me feels it's not like you have Trevor Lawrence behind you, but the Kelly Bryant, you know, to Trevor Lawrence where you've seen, all right, this is what we've got, but can we get better? You know, and that's all. That's a horrible place to be in if you're Cade McNamara because you, yeah. you start pressing. But yeah, I think that'll be. A, I think that'll be a battle. And and there's a lot of talk. There's you know, JJ McCarthy is popular in that building. Mm, very interesting. Like he's a he's a good locker room guy. Yeah. Not even that. It's just that he's got a lot of fans, both from teammates and coaches. There's a lot of people that really like him and think that he could be really good. Uh, how about Texas A&M, Haynes King or Max Johnson? I'm so I might be way off. This is not source. This is just my read. I, I think it's got to be Max Johnson. All I'll say, <laughs> I have pretty good source that I work another show with that was with the you know the coaching staff at A&M during the national championship doing the coaches clicker you think uh they like Haynes King a lot like it's not I don't I think it's I think this will legitimately be a real competition well then without a doubt that's one of the top billing because Texas A&M is going to be one of the most talked about teams without a doubt Mm -hmm. heading into next season and if that's the the quarterback battle then uh and by the way the same guy met uh Brad Johnson and Max Johnson because they were there like dropping him off for classes and stuff you know (laughs) What that's is what, that? that's what I'm saying? Like a lot, and that wasn't one of the ones I was thinking of, but that's another example of a high-profile quarterback with a lot of experience, who I think a lot of people just plug in as the starter. And Haynes King was a highly recruited guy who was not going to go down quietly. Now you might see after the spring, if Max Johnson wins the job, then maybe Haynes King is back in the carousel or something like that. But I think those, and and the reason why it's always quarterbacks because there's only one spot. You know, mm-hmm. receiver, if you don't win this, you know, you can move over, you can move in the slot, you can move to the other side, offensive line, you can shuffle, you know, you can move to guard, you can move to tackle, like you can move around somewhat, but that's why it's always comes back to the quarterback because it's, there's only one spot for you. Right. Yeah, if like we're going to talk about position battle, the only fighting that's happening is for the one position that there's only one of. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else, Tom? Sorry, didn't mean to cut you. No, I was going to say that's going to be my, that's my favorite part of post spring practice is, all the quarterbacks that enter the portal from the top schools because they realize they're not going to be starting. Which then provides a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Which for, gives uh, hope to so many fan bases who think that guy's definitely going to come play for us. We went six and six last year. But now you got it. Now, if you've used that one free pass, mm-hmm. do you want to wait out of here? You know, so that's makes it a little bit trickier. I think that in four years, when all of the extra eligibility has filtered out of the system, we'll see things calm down. And not necessarily calm down as though it is bad, 
but just, just that not we, at the level we're at right yeah now. just not at the level that we're at right now because that is creating all kinds of extra opportunities when the fifth and sixth year guy is transferring to be able to make the most out of his fifth and sixth year then that like those moves will be out of the system and, and we'll be able to to really see the uh, the one-time transfer rule help players without necessarily uh flooding the market all right i like this question here it's a uh, it's a, it's a little bit of a you know alternate universe or maybe not or like look into the the future on uh, on sort of conference realignment and conference hierarchy. Uh, the name is T Don. Let me start out that I grew up in Alabama, but I attended Florida State due to in-state tuition rates and not a super high GPA. LOL. I still follow both teams, but I'm not an SEC homer. You were discussing the alliance on the January 27th podcast, and I thought about the possibility of two Power Five national champions. Would this ever be possible if the alliance got locked out of the SEC in scheduling and started their own playoff and their own national championship game? Reminder, the alliance is the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12. It appears to me that the SEC is headstrong in killing the college game as a national product. So would the Alliance be strong enough, a strong enough product to go their own way and leave the SEC to feed on itself? I love your conversations on all that is college football. I will never forgive Danny for choosing both Miami and Florida in your most recent team draft. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He's trying to win. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's – I. I don't, I don't think, think it's, it's crazy. If I don't we, think like, it's crazy, though. Yeah. If we really spin this down the line, the one issue that I could see being the true dividing line is if the SEC says compensation, mm-hmm. like s- salaries. Like, you know, maybe Lane gets his wish and there is a salary cap, but just we are not even like we are. We are going to treat them uh, officially in the same way that we treat all of these other university employees. We are going to compensate them well. They are going to have revenue sharing from our television deal. Um, it, it is a semi-professional outfit. And I think that could be a dividing line between the SEC and the Alliance. Now, as we're spinning it down the line, does that mean that the SEC poaches a few other schools that are currently in the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12? Like, okay, mm-hmm. who wants to play this big boy ball over here? But I I don't think it is a crazy scenario to envision that, again, way down the line, we are talking about college football in the terms of having multiple leagues that declare national champions. Yeah, because like if we, there's been the reporting when the SEC added Oklahoma and Texas, one of the books that Sankey read that kind of inspired the move was the club, which is about kind of like the history of the Premier League. And English soccer was kind of like college football in that all these leagues, yes, there was promotion relegation, but they were kind of like conferences, and they were all part of the same quote-unquote larger league. But then the Premier League kind of split off, started doing its own television deals, kind of started doing all that other stuff, which is kind of what this person's saying, the SEC breaks off and not only becomes its own conference and becomes its own league, which, like you said, I don't think that, 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 that that's crazy. I think that that could happen. I don't think it's likely. The part of the scenario I disagree with is if the SEC did do that, I don't think the Big Ten's staying with the Pac-12 and the ACC and doing their own league with the Alliance. I think the Big Ten would just do the exact same thing the SEC did because I don't think the ACC and Pac-12 would be bringing any additional value to what the Big Ten can get on its own. 
it would only be that you could declare a national champion. You got to yeah. have a nation. It can't just be like even because the SEC gets Texas and Oklahoma. This I guess would involve even but further SEC expansion. The SEC can't be a national champion either because it's only a certain portion of the country. It'd be the South Eastern Western champion. <laughs> I don't know, but I just I think it's that's not going to matter to them nearly as much as how much money can we get out of this as possible. And I think that the Big Ten would say, hey, look, Pac-12, we love you. ACC, we love you. We're all friends. Let's all still play basketball and all that kind of stuff together. But the truth is the TV deals we would get with you guys for football that we have to split between all of us would not be nearly as much as we if we just do it on our own. Don't you think um, – I'll ask you guys a question because I hear, I hear frustration from a lot of coaches – across the country of there's no structure, there's no guidelines. You know, NIL is the wild, wild west, and now we have transferring, free agency. It's a wild, wild west. Who's going to step up? Who, who would you expect to step up and provide the structure? And how does that even work? Because the NCAA could, but you don't really have to follow it, you know, if it was an NIL structure. or And that one I, I think they're all afraid to touch because – they're just like, hey, if we put any guard, like we're all going to get exposed. And then the coaches, like that hypocrisy unfolds. But like of the most likely person, isn't it Greg Sankey? Isn't that so obvious that he's the one that would like step up in this time of uncertainty and say, all right, enough is enough. We do not want to let this get back to the Supreme Court. We don't want politicians determining what our league is going to look like. And, and we can't sit around and wait. So I'm going to do it. And in that process, if you did it, I think it would clearly, it would look something like he suggested now. And then that's where I go back to Tom's point. I think we just lost with some internet issues um, of then the big 10 does something in response Mm -hmm. and they say, okay, we're going to, we're going to do the same thing. Like you guys are going to crown your champion. You're going to, you're going to be a pro league and you're going to unionize and you're going to pay your players. Well, we're not just going to stand by and watch. And then I think like, I've always thought like we would have four super conferences. Maybe it's two. Yeah. You know, and then, but then it's like we're gonna have the two champions play each other. Is it would be awesome? Which isn't be great. that how the Super Bowl then, started? We had yeah, two exactly. professional leagues and right. they each declared their champion and decided they would meet. That's yeah. when I spun this forward, I was thinking like, okay, I could see it happening. And there would be all of these, like all this name calling of like we do it the right way. You guys do it the right way. And it would just be a culture war every college football national championship between the SEC champion and the Alliance champion in this college Super Bowl-type environment. What I miss? I'm just, I just, I, I agree with what you were saying. Like I, I said, I think if there's anybody that would take the bull by the horns, it would be Sankey. Because mm-hmm. it looks like he's already kind of jockeying for position. And I, I believe a lot of the stuff about the influence the book had on soccer – uh, but I think he's trying to look forward in the future, whereas too many people, Kevin Warren, other commissioners, are kind of reacting. Okay, oh, we have to do NIL? Okay, well, we're going to let it happen. You know, like, And he's thinking, how do I get in front of this? Because I don't want to let it get to the courts. And I think he would be the guy, the most likely character, that would come in and say, well, let, I don't want to re- react. I want to I be proactive. So I want to get out ahead of this. So I'm going to continue to do what I've been doing. I'm going to build up the SEC, make it as strong as possible so that in, what is it, 2026, the TV contracts are up? Yep. So that we can position ourselves in the strongest place to make the most amount of money. And it's going to be a boatload of money. And that's where I think 
they can go to the TVs and or the TV companies and say, yeah, we're going to have to pay our players because it's so much money. And I don't think it'll be an issue. Like it'll be plenty of money to go around. It's just a matter of, you know, we, we use that term, the haves and haves nots a lot. What is it going to look like the haves and have nots? Who gets, who does the SEC decide to collect? Who does the big tens decide to collect? Like who remains at the forefront of college football and who falls by the wayside? And ironic, I don't, I don't know if this is coincidence or not, but don't you feel like around 32 programs probably fit the bill? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 16 in the SEC, 16 in the Big Ten, and they kind of fit that bill. Now what gets interesting is, is the SEC is currently constituted? Is that every program in there? Like do you, you know, do you try to do you try to weed out some of the bottom dwellers? Same thing in the Big Ten, you know? I don't know. Those bottom dwellers just all finished in the top 32 of the yep. like 24 <laughs> seven sports composite talent rank. I mean, I'm thinking right. more of like the, um, like is, is that where Oregon separates from Oregon state? Like, right. is that where, you know, some of these programs that we look at as like, wow, like it's cool. The history, like the, the way that they really lean in on it, but in terms of being a television product and in terms of what's going to drive the most revenue, it, it's not bringing uh, a ton to the table. All right. One last one. Here we go. Oh, here we go. I appreciate the live YouTube hits during the week. If I don't have meetings, that get in the way, I always have to show up in the office. I have two quick questions. I promise they are short and quick. Number one, who is the next Iowa State heading into 2022? They were fluffed far too much in the offseason. And obviously, what they finished seven and five, seven yeah. and six mm -hmm. after the uh, the bowl loss to Clemson. And then, uh, oh, num number two, I, I thought that the Iowa State thing was interesting, but he also said, um, we can't seriously be doing the Sean Clifford thing again, right? The ceiling is well established. Spare me the Kenny Pickett potential rise, and the floor isn't good enough. Spencer Sanders isn't punishing the Oklahoma State faithful. So I'm doing the Sean Clifford thing. I don't know what that means. I guess he's a frustrated Penn State fan, right? Maybe. Where we Maybe. just convince ourselves that now is the time where they're going to take the step forward. Yeah. Uh, but the the Iowa State heading into 2022, and I assumed that to be – because Iowa State had top 10-ish type ratings going into the season – you finish seven and five at the end of the regular season. So who who would fit that bill? Who are some teams that you think might have the similar um, hyped, highly ranked going into the season and then might not deliver those actual results? I mean, it's not quite Iowa State because Iowa State has had more success, even if it's not been quite to the level that people expected. But I think South Carolina for sure. I, th I think South Carolina is one of those teams that could be better in 2022, but their record won't reflect it because I do think they had a couple of breaks go their way. They won some close games that maybe they shouldn't have. And I think that that could correct itself. So maybe South Carolina is a team that with all the Spencer Rattler hype kind of starts off somewhere ranked in that 20 to 25 range, and then probably just, you know, struggles to get to a bowl game. I think another one is Arkansas. Oh no! Hey, I'm going right to the top. So, I, I think that Oklahoma State might be one that after that win against Notre Dame, after 12 wins, I mean, you we do lose Jim Knowles. Yeah, you could see them as high as number eight, nine, or ten in those preseason rankings, and 
Still got Spencer Sanders as your quarterback, and you just lost Jim Knowles. Uh, another one similarly. Uh, I think that Michigan might be one that comes in with a really, really high. I don't think that they're going to go seven and five, but it's possible we see them up in that like six, seven, eight range. And then uh, the other one that I had on my list is the Oregon Ducks. I think that Oregon's going to have a really good defense. There's way too much talent there. And Dan Lanning, obviously, is somebody who I consider a plus value defensive mind. But I, I don't know if they're like a top 10 or top 12 type team at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to start the season ranked, but I think NC State could be one of those teams. If NC State is, NC State could end up as high as like nine or 10. Probably yeah. will be 12. And in the preseason, you think? Yeah. I think there's a lot of hype. For <laughs> we got to get top important people. There he is. There he is. So the, somebody asked me what the most important ACC conference game is on the schedule. They had their, I know everybody was tuned into the schedule release on Monday night, week by week. Ratings bonanza. Mm -hmm. I, uh, but I think it is uh, NC State and Clemson in like week five. I think that that game will decide uh, the Atlantic division. They've got, it's like, in, Clemson has Wake Forest and NC State all before week six. So they better get DJ, whether it's DJU or Cade Klubnik, they, they better get that figured out. But I think the fact that NC State's in that conversation for the division title, they probably will end up pretty high. Uh, do we bully Iowa State on here? Yes. Okay. Yeah, people think we bully them. Because, like, this this question could be who was the North Carolina, who was the Miami, oh, who fair. was, you know, there, there you. were a lot yeah, of teams. Yeah, yeah, You know, like, there were a lot of teams we could have proposed this question. Um, like, who's going to have massive expectations and fall well short? Like, we do that. With USC. USC. <laughs> yeah, USC is one that could be it. Um, I had Tennessee. They're going to come in with a lot of hype. Now, I don't, I don't know if, like, last year I was pretty, like, Iowa State's not going to be as good as everybody thinks they are. I kind of am on the Tennessee hype train. Like, I like Hendon Hooker a lot. I like the way Hypel's uh, going. So, I'm not that one. What about Wisconsin? Mm. Like, Wisconsin, I don't know if they're going to get hyped up as much. Um, but I don't know. I feel like, like, I don't know. It's hard to see because I haven't, you know, it's who, who are the top 10 teams going to be? Who are the top 15 going to be? And then, like, peg them. Like, do you think they'll be a preseason top 10 or top 15? I think Probably they'll not. be close to it for sure. I think that Wisconsin and Iowa fall between 15 and 23 or something like that. Not I don't think Wisconsin will be higher than 15. Do you think Ole Miss will come in or do you think the loss of Matt Corral and you know, the staff will... Oh, Jackson Dart shows up and that stock stays high. So then that yeah. would be one I would put on this list. Like you got to maintain that level of play in that division when everybody else is probably getting better. Like that would be one I would circle for sure. I will say Wisconsin's a pretty decent call, though, just from based on their schedule. Because if you look at their road schedule next season, they've got to play at Ohio State. They've got to play at Michigan State. They've got to play at Iowa, at Nebraska. So that's a tough road slate to get through. They're always criminally underrated, though. It's like not mm -hmm. like they get overhyped. I think that Oklahoma is going to be underrated. I think I, if, if we can catch, like, what, a 9.5 on the win total? I mean, everyone in that program is used to running the Big 12. But here's the thing. Are, are either Oklahoma or Texas going to get a call? What do you mean? Oh, you're like from, from the, the officials. Big 12? You're going like every single close call. Are they going to get any of them? No. The Big 12 and non-shaman, Tom Fernelli. <laughs> Not even joking. Like the Big 12's got no reason to 
it's got every reason in the world to treat them like you know it's like no they're gone screw them let's, we see, let's help the teams that, that are sticking around there was a time where i had envisioned uh the report was that there was something that texas could do with the longhorn network to be able to like pay the they could somehow flip it and because of their relationship with espn with sec they would be able to pay the exit fees and get out early but the reason when i've checked the temperature on this recently i have gotten the impression that the big 12 is like no you don't get out early we will agree to no early agreements you will be here for every single season that you are contractually going to be a part of it i mean is that do y'all think that they, they will be around for two three more seasons all with this sec exit like continually approaching slowly but surely. Oh, do we lose Tom again? <laughs> there he is. So frustrating. I just, I don't know. The, the, the uh, yeah. How much snow you got right now? All your cables are under snow. Uh, yesterday we got about seven or eight. It is currently snowing again right now, though. So. I don't know how much I've gotten today. Enough to mess with my internet, apparently. I don't, whatever. Shut up. 76 degrees down in Fort Lauderdale. (laughs) Uh, Danny, I mean, like, have you, have you thought about that breakup that's coming? Cause that's one more time. The, the big 12, uh, do you think they will force Oklahoma and Texas to stick around for every single season? Or do you think they will reach a financial deal that will allow them to get out early? I think they'll, uh, I think they'll meet a deal after this year. I think they'll go one more year and then they'll, and then they have one more after that is what right. it is. Yes. Yeah. I think they'll do, I think they'll do one more and they'll get out of it early. It really doesn't like, I think there'll be a, a deal cut and it's one of those ones where if you're Bowlesby, you have to take something like, you don't want to just let them walk away with nothing. You know, you're, they're going to leave. So why not, why not get something for it and let them go? Like you made them stay an extra year. Could have let them out. But you've got to make the them. SEC hate cutting the check. Like whatever yeah. the deal is, right. like it's, it, it's your only leverage. It's the yeah. last thing that you've got. So yeah. I would, if if I was the Big Twelve, I would make them stick around or pay an obscene price. You know, like someone, someone cold calls you, is like, hey, you know, so and so, like we, I was wondering how much you'd sell your house for. Um, my friend Michael Felder does this. He's like, yeah, seven million dollars, and like, right. Well, that like when we were talking before about the ACC, and you know, would they pluck a couple of those teams, the SEC? Uh, and we, you know, with the numbers that we hear, it's like, ooh, don't you think that'll pair in comparison to the numbers they could get if they get a new TD deal and it was Clemson and Miami? You know, I'm leaving out Florida State on purpose just because I don't want to start. But like, don't you think it would pale in comparison where they would be like, what is it? What was the number? 70 million per school? Like something. But don't you think that would pale in comparison to the billion dollar contract they could probably land? Um, I don't know because Maryland, my, Maryland is the example that comes to mind because Maryland hasn't even been able to get a full Big Ten check yet from making mm. the move. Mm. So it's like, oh yeah, you are running into all this money, but because of the offsets and because of the financial deal that you have to put together to be able to get it, then I don't no know. offense, but those two programs aren't Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Clemson, Clemson and Miami are not Maryland. That is a that is very, very true. Uh, Tom, Tom is under snow right now. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can follow him under snow at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back on Monday live, 3 p.m. Eastern time to get your week started right. Danny, thank you very much. Thank you.